Celeb Savant is a career retrospective type interview focusing on singers, actors and industry experts. Join Barrett Edelstein now as he dives into the entertainment world. Robert Dos Santos is an international award-winning film and television commercials director based out of Cape Town and Johannesburg, South Africa. Steeped in the cinematic storytelling of auteur directors such as Martin Scorsese and Christopher Nolan, he specializes in bringing a strong narrative vision and cinematic touch to all of his projects. He has been nominated for 30-plus awards locally and internationally, including in the USA, UK, France, Germany and Canada, and has won awards in Seattle, Los Angeles and Croatia. He started directing three years ago at the age of 30. Prior to that, Robert worked as an attorney in a corporate and commercial law firm in Johannesburg. At present, Robert has directed a number of television commercials, music videos and fashion films. Brands he has worked for include Mercedes-Benz, Warner Music Group, Woolworths and many others. Robert's recent project was directing a new international TV commercial that showcases the launch of a world-first VR dating app called Planet Theta. Fireflare Games, a leading innovator in the gaming industry, is the mastermind of Planet Theta, the world's first ever virtual reality dating app. In celebration of this groundbreaking technological advancement, a major international television commercial has been created and produced in South Africa by Dragonfly Video Productions in the UK. Planet Theta takes dating to a whole new dimension by leveraging the power of virtual reality. With this cutting-edge app, users can now immerse themselves in a lifelike virtual environment where they can meet and interact with potential partners from around the globe. By providing a fully immersive experience, Planet Theta revolutionizes the way people connect and forge meaningful relationships in the digital age. Up next on Slab Savant, I'll be speaking to Robert DeSantos about his journey in the entertainment and directing world, and specifically his latest Planet Theta project. Up next on Slab Savant, we've got Robert DeSantos. Where do we find you in the world and how are you doing? I am currently in Cape Town. I am, funnily enough, in board shorts because I just came off of a shoot now. We shot nice and early today, and we're shooting some underwater stuff. Oh, wow. And to make sure that the actors uh, felt that they weren't the only ones having to be cold in the Cape Town water <laughs> and wind. Was it in the sea? Uh, funnily enough, it was uh, not in the sea. It was on a very lovely... Um, pool on top of the Salo Hotel, on top of the Zeitzmacher. Oh, okay. So an incredible location, but the wind is pumping and uh, it's it's cold. And the thing is, is they were fully dressed um, in the water. So the, the oh, scene was okay. they fall into the water fully clothed. And while standing with the wind blowing against you with cold water, yes. it gets freezing. So I, I decided to uh, sacrifice myself as well. So I'm not a big shorts person, I'm very tall. I look a bit funny with shorts on, but I decided oh. I'm going to go in with him. So I'm wearing some shorts right now. So that's where, that is where you find me. So the last time I was in Cape Town, it was a number of years ago. I was lying on the beach, chilling, relaxing, and we saw a school of dolphins because you could see the fins. They weren't so far out. 
So I decided, cool, I've always wanted to swim with a school of dolphins. So I thought, let me just try and swim to where they are and just play with them. I got to my knees or thighs and my legs were numb from the cold. So I thought, you know what? I can't deal with it. So I ran back to the beach, to the sand, and I thought, I can't deal with this cold. <laughs> yeah, Cape Town, Cape Town water is is a painful mistress. I I do it. Uh, I've gotten, I'm one of those many people that have been taken uh, by Wim Hof and his lovely accents. And he has convinced me to go sit in the water. And it is uh, utterly painful. I don't think you do it for being in the water. You do it for the way you feel afterwards because you're like, thank God I'm no longer dying. Uh, and now, <laughs> yeah. now I can maybe have a good day because I've had a very terrible five minutes in the water it can only be easier from now so so i know that too well okay now let's rewind so what age did you decide cool you want to be in the entertainment space creating producing directing and how did that journey accumulate to where we are today so um at the very ripe young age of about seven i decided i wanted to be a poet that's what i was going to do and i was going to do poetry and um, I, I felt that within my being. That was that was the world for me, and I was what I was going to do. But uh, the world outside doesn't like that. It doesn't like the thought of a kid wanting to be a poet. You've got to have something practical. You've got to do something good. And essentially what you see, and Rick Rubin has a great quote with it, and it's basically the world is doing everything it can to stop you from being an artist and stop you from making it. Wants you to be a worker, be it wants you to be a worker and, and it wants you to be part of the system. And um, it went from that to, and I realized, okay, cool. Poetry is a bit difficult and uh, you're not going to make money with that. So I thought, okay, well, what's the next thing? Writer. So I got into writing and I wrote for a very, very long time. And then um, Wait, I did what a lot of young people writing what short. Uh, I wanted to write novels, so oh. I wrote. I wrote yes, and uh, tried that out for a while. Um, but then again, the parents aren't happy about that. The world's not happy about that, and uh, you get pushed along. And I went to an all-boy Catholic school where you got to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an architect, or an accountant. And if you're not one of those you haven't really succeeded in life. And it's just this different view of what success is. And I think a very short-sighted view of what success is because uh, that's just not success. Being being a worker bee for someone else, um, unless that is what your version of success is, in which case then it's great. But we're we're literally floating on a rock through space and we've got no idea what's going on. And and to consider some idea that being a lawyer is is great is or or better is just it's the silliest thing i've ever heard of um unfortunately young and impressionable uh i was impacted by the the elders around me who said no don't do that do this do this do this to the point where i actually did law and uh, it's, it's sad to say but i have to be honest and the honest truth is i allowed the world to impact me and make my decisions for me so like a jellyfish in the ocean i got caught up in the current of the world and got pushed towards something that I was good at and that I did believe in, but that wasn't me. And uh, that's eventually where I found myself. And that's, um, that was, uh, it was an unhappy place. And I realized that that's not a good place for me. And um, 
although I think I could have been good at it, uh, I think I would have only ever been good. I wouldn't have been great and I wouldn't have been happy. And um, that's when I joined a rock and roll band while studying. I met a really interesting friend who taught me how to play guitar. And um, I found myself more interested in shooting the music videos um, and speaking to girls uh, then actually making the music. And I realized, okay, well, there's there's something interesting here. I'm, I'm into something that isn't law and isn't necessarily music. And I followed that for a while and uh, eventually took the plunge, made the, made the dip, made the dive, and here I am today. What was the first thing that came to be that you worked on and how did those projects evolve? So uh, I'll, I'll I'll distinguish between like the first real project and the first like knock around project. So I think the first uh, little ones were like school projects. Is I would take those and if there was an option to do something visually, I would do it visually. And I think those were the first clues and the first hints. I would make videos for the the school. Um, uh, it's been out of school for so long. I can't even remember what it's called. Assembly. Yes, yeah. the school assembly. I'd make I'd make videos for school assembly. Um, and try and incorporate people and get people to act in that and put it up for everybody to watch. Uh, and then, um, when I made a video for my band, I was like, this is, this is, I, this is great. I could see the artistry and the connection between the lyrics and what we were saying and what I was showing visually and how those met together. And that brought me more joy than anything else in life. It was just, uh, the happiest I've ever been is having those two connect. Um, then professionally is the first thing I ever did professionally is still, I think today, one of my favorite things I've ever done. I could die tomorrow. And the fact that I've made this, uh, is, is, is just brings me joy. And someone gave me 4,000 Rand and said, here's a bunch of suits. Go shoot something. And I took that 4,000 Rand and got security guards. I got two security guards to follow us and food for my friends who came and helped me shoot this. And we shot a suit commercial in Joburg CBD. And having the security guards allowed us to go places where you shouldn't be allowed to go. Um, and we shot at times where the authorities were not there, so they couldn't tell us not to shoot there. We shot over... Um, Nelson Mandela Bridge um, and in uh, Mabineng. And what I did to make this different is I had the guy uh, in a suit on a skateboard because that to me was the contrast of being a, a lawyer was that that you can still be a rebel um, but look good or you can still be part of the greater system but pull a middle finger to it. And that was the connection there. And um, that was the first thing I ever did properly. I had 4,000 Rand and that set me on the path because I was just testing the waters. I was like, can I do this? And fortunately, that one, uh, it was a short film. It was, it was an ad slash short film, short fashion film. And we got into, I think, an award locally and then two awards internationally. And that kind of said to me, oh, okay, well, look, if this is my first go. Maybe, maybe there's something here. Yes. And uh, that one award locally put me in touch with people who put me in touch with people. And eventually I got a Mercedes uh, commercial um, out of that. And that all stemmed from just 
taking 4,000 Rand, a bunch of friends, and literally running through the streets and just shooting whatever I could. Obviously, there's the stuff that you collaborate on, for example, the commercials that you get briefed on, and then you got the projects that come from your brain that you create, for example, like that skateboarding short film you spoke of. So when you are creating something from your brain, a production, a creativity, a direction, a project, compared to when you are creating something for a brand that you're briefed on, how do you approach those projects differently? Do you approach them differently or do you approach them the same? It's the same. It's, it's funny enough, it's the same. If, okay. if, you, if you get briefed on something, you have to bring uh, yourself to it yeah. and it has to be yours. Otherwise, um, you might as well just still be a lawyer. You might as well still be yeah. doing that because you're not actually bringing yourself to it. And I think that's what you bring to the table. Someone's asking you to cookie cutter and go make something. There's plenty of other people who can do that. Or probably someone who can make what you're looking to make uh, and ask them. Uh, I think the idea is to, everything's a collaboration. And that's the most beautiful and the most painful thing about making uh, moving images. Poetry, fantastic. Uh, still to this day, wish I was a poet. It's, it's the best thing ever. You sit alone. And all you need, you don't even need a paper and pen. You can do it in your head and you've got it. You can write it down, put it out into the world and all is good. When it comes to moving images, you need, it's just, it's never ending. The equipment that you need, the, the people you need around you. So at the end of the day, what you need to do is divorce yourself from the idea that this is entirely yours and understand that most of these ideas are coming from somewhere else and you're just fortunate enough to be a conduit and to assist the yes. creation of it and being an essential part of the team and seeing as yourself as part of that team uh, makes it very, very easy because if someone comes to you with an idea, you're like, okay, what is your goal? What does success look like to you? How do we make that happen? And it's the same thing when you're making something on your own. It's cool. Except the idea will originate for you and you might be the dictator of what the end goal is, but the process is essentially the same. Is What can I bring um, to this table? And I think the last thing to add on to that is what makes a director and what makes, I think, a good director or a good creative is your taste. You're, you're, you're purely a tastemaker. Um, there's all the fluff and all the things that go around it, but at the end of the day, it comes down to what is your taste? What is the music you listen to? What is the sounds that you like? What are the movements you like? And it's about being confident enough in your taste to say that I'm going to view it through this lens. And that lens is your taste and you make it in that fashion. And that's, that's essentially what you're doing. When you're collaborating with a brand and they give you a brief, is that sometimes a little bit easier to work on compared to creating from scratch because you've got sort of an outline to work from, from the brief, compared to starting from scratch and having sort of a blank slate or not necessarily? So I think they both come with their pros and cons. Is, is yes, you, you're, you're bang on the money. Is You've at least got a starting point. And you've got um, uh, four walls in which to play in, so to speak. And that's actually quite liberating when you know that this is the little 
place you've got to play in, you're like, okay, well, how do we find creative ways in that? Um, what's the negative side of that can be is sometimes it can be dictatorial and it's like, this is what we need to have. Um, so we need to have it. And, and that can be difficult. Then on the other spectrum is when you're in your own mind and going on in your own mind and writing a screenplay is, uh, there are no limits and that's both the benefit and the drawback is, yeah. is it's, it's a scary place to be sometimes to have no limits, uh, because someone needs to be able to say stop. And if you're both the pusher and the puller, it's a difficult it's a difficult task. Does that sometimes lead to procrastination? Maybe not for you, but possibly for others. Yeah, possibly for others. For myself, fortunately, not. Um, it leads to extraordinary amounts of frustration, yes. uh, to self-loathing, um, and then to uh, epiphanies and. Uh, adoration, self-adoration, and then you rinse and repeat the process all over again when you realize that idea was actually done. And it's this, it's this, it's this complete up and down of, of thinking you are a genius and you're writing the Oscar speech in your head to literally saying, why did I ever take off those court robes? I am an idiot. I am a failure to humanity. Someone, where's my mother? I need to hold on to you. And that's, that's the devil's dance that you do on a daily. Everyone in the world has a different perception and definition of the word dumb. And what might be dumb in your eyes might be exceptional and brilliant to 5 million people out there. So how do you take yourself out of the equation and think to yourself, okay, cool, maybe this is just my negative brain, negative talk, the parrot on the shoulder that puts me down, sort of inverted commas, compared to it actually not being that great, if it makes sense what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So uh, I think you've touched on the single most important thing you can have other than taste. And it goes hand in hand with taste. And that is the ability to self-critique in an effective manner. And um, some people have it and some people don't. And that's why you can see uh, incredible directors make absolute garbage because there was no one there to check them because they've reached a point where there is no checks and balances. And they don't have that self-critique factor, which some directors have in bundles, which is why they make good things. It's not just because they're a good director. It's because they've got that that X factor, which is the ability to self-critique. I think I'm very fortunate in by doing law is for a while, I was a bit sad about that. I did law. I thought it was a waste of time. But what you get taught in law is that there are there's many sides to the story, but to simplify it, there's three sides to the story. There's their side, there's your side, and there's what the judge sees. And you need to know, you need to be able to put yourself in the opposition's shoes to look at your own argument and say, this is a poor argument or this is where the weakness is. Then you need to actually be able to put yourself in the judge's shoes and say, if I'm looking at both of these, where does it weigh up? And that gets drilled into our heads and it becomes a double think or a triple think, a way of which you just have to constantly. And I, fortunately, you're constantly criticizing, um, hopefully in a healthy, healthy way, your own work and saying, this isn't good enough. This doesn't match the taste. This falls within my taste bracket or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you smack it out. So I'm intrigued about this latest project that you worked on, this VR dating app. So I'd like to hear more. But as a point of discussion, I tried those VR goggles once 
a while ago. I had them on for about 30, 40 seconds. I felt so sick afterwards. I thought I was going to vomit. I thought I was going to faint. I actually felt so ill that I like never want to try them again. But maybe that has something to do with my brain. <laughs> yeah, that's the bottom line is our brains were made to find berries and find a cave. Put the two together, find the shelter in the cave, eat the berries. That's that's where our brains are meant to be at. And now suddenly you can put on these goggles which tell your brain that I'm in a completely different area. Even though my feet are static, my body is static, I'm moving. And it, it's it's we're, we're not built for this. And I think we have to be careful with it. I think we need to consider and um, just because we humans have a mentality is rather can we do it rather than should we do it and there's goods and bads the the cool of it is we've gone to space and we're chatting over zoom right now and we're we're pretty adventurous little buggers but uh the drawback on it is all the the terrible things that come with that so it's i think the starting point is we have to be careful is um Human interaction is the most important thing in the world. Um, having good relationships and steady relationships in person is what we need. We, we, we live off of that. So I think that's the starting point. And for me, this app is hopefully an opportunity uh, to open the door for that. Is I have, I think, five, ten years ago, if someone said they met on Tinder – um it was you you maybe get it someone in the room would give a side eye whereas now most weddings i've gone to in the last three four years have been from people who met on tinder so there there is good that comes out of it in real life um events and eventualities which come from it um so with that in mind uh this is essentially just a extension of tinder it's the new way in which to do it it's it's you put on goggles and you and your avatar which uh, is a representation of you are taken into the metaverse and you can meet people in real time and uh go on dates you can go on speed dates you can go on long-term dates or you can actually just go to the bars that are on this world and you can walk around the bar and talk to people and maybe find the love of your life and there's some beauty in that there are people who um, have anxiety about meeting people in person. Now you can actually do that. There are people that are across the the planet and would love to be dating back home or where they happen to be going and would like to meet people. Uh, and then there's a safety element to it. You can meet someone instead of going to your corner coffee shop and hoping they look like what they say they look like and hoping they act in an appropriate manner. Now you've uh, you've transcended that. You can make those first approaches and judge for yourself on that. So uh, it's essentially the new way to meet. And the way the technology is going is Apple bringing out a new product looks incredibly insane. I don't know if you've seen it. It actually looks like they might have cracked this nut or at the very least taken us to the next step. And things appear to look uh, realistic to an extent. Whereas before, uh, and I think that's another reason for the, the reason we get sick is it's, it's, you can feel it's shaky and it doesn't look real. Whereas the latest updates, it looks real and you can, you can, you can go off of something like that. So how did you approach this project compared to projects when you're dealing with real people? 
I mean, these are avatars, it's in the metaverse, same creativity and same energy. So was there a difference in approach and results because of the real people versus avatars, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. I think with this, the aim and the intention was to ground it in reality. Is This is such an unreality topic that the reason why uh, I pushed for it to be a short film rather than a commercial, so to speak, is first of all, that's my strength and that's that's what uh, I like to do. And second of all, is that's what you need for something like this. Is You're selling that end goal of what we were just chatting about now, is you're selling the uh, ability to find someone in person, find love, and spend the rest of your life with them. That is the, the hope and the goal for something like this. And the aim then is to create something which is representative of that and shows the end goal rather than the glitz and the glamour of like all the avatars, but get grounded and show, show the end goal. And how did you get involved in this project? So I was very, very fortunate uh, to be contacted by a company in London. Uh, so Panatheta, the, the creators or Firefly Flare Games, the creators of Panatheta, they're based in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And they got in touch with uh, Dragonfly in the UK. And Dragonfly reached out to me. They've seen my work. And they said, look, we think you're the right guy for this. Uh, we would like you to join us in pitching this to clients. They'd already had the initial concept, which was a couple um, – who on their birthday opened up a box and looked back on their life of how they uh, met. So that was the starting point. Is it was Dan Walsh and Charlie Southall from from Dragonfly. Lovely, lovely guys. We're now working a lot more together, but this was our first project. And they reached out and said, hey, um, join us on this. Let's, let's get involved. What's next in the pipeline? Uh, a few things. So I think most importantly, and the, the biggest thing is I've, um, I've been doing all of this with the intention of uh, making films. Is The great thing of doing commercials is they have a short turnaround. I've helped produce films. Yes. Um, they, they are very weighty, very expensive, and very long and very heartbreaking. And you need to be prepared for that. And coming straight out of law, while I could help produce with my lawyer background, uh, wanting to make a movie is a, a totally different thing. So shooting commercials is beautiful. You get great gear, you get great people, and you can treat it as if it's a film. And you learn all the skills. You learn everything from editing to wardrobe to makeup and what lenses to use. So I wrote a – I came up with a concept while being a lawyer. And the concept was I sat in the courtroom and I looked around and I thought, what would it be like if this was the first murder trial of an AR robot um, and we put an AR robot on the stand? So I wrote a screenplay which is based on the first murder trial of the first AI android to commit murder. And that AI is taken taken in and it's this concurrent story of both the the backstory of this android who is essentially uh, abandoned by his family. They move away. And being a sentient android, you're not just going to turn off. You're going to start wonder the world. And he wonders the world and he finds out that it's not just him that is doing this. And like cell phones, people like leave their cell phones in their top drawers and they 
give them to friends and they kind of forget about them. You can't really do that with Androids. They, they've got brains of their own and they wonder. And eventually these Androids start wandering around and we follow his backstory until it results in this murder. And concurrently, we run through this murder trial while he's under interrogation and um, all of that. That sounds like a fascinating movie. I'm looking forward to seeing that when that comes out. So, Robert, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Do what you fucking want and don't listen to fucking anybody else. No matter what they say, don't give a fuck. Do exactly what you've got to do. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Celeb Savant. Please follow Barrett on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Celeb Savant. That's C-E-L-E-B-S-A-V-A-N-T.